Smith said this, the most important thing a born-again Christian can do is pray. He says, prayer does not change the purpose of God, but prayer does change the action of God. I like that. Amen? Corey Ten Boom said it like this, don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. A man is powerful on his knees. Praise the Lord. I probably just should read all 130 of them to you, huh? No, that's good. Good stuff. The one I like is the... How many, how many ever heard this story about Charles Spurgeon? Let me find it. There it is. Five young college students were spending a Sunday in London. So they went to hear the famed C.H. Spurgeon preach. While waiting for the doors to open, the students were greeted by a man who asked him, Gentlemen, let me show you around. Would you like to see the heating plant of this church? They were not particularly interested, for it was a hot day in July. But they didn't want to offend the stranger, so they consented. The young men were taken down a stairway, a door was quietly opened, and their guide whispered, This is our heating plant. Surprised, the students saw 700 people bowed in prayer, seeking a blessing on the service that was soon to begin in the auditorium above. Softly closing the door, the gentleman then introduced himself. It was none other than Charles Spurgeon. Amen. So they had in their basement while he was preaching, there was an army that was down below. And when you hear about moves of God and things that are going on like that, there'll always be a collective and a consorted effort of prayer. And uh, uh, Frank Bartleman wrote, he was a, a journalist in that at the beginning of the outpouring, the Azusa Street outpouring, and he was corresponding with uh, uh, Evan Roberts in Wales when they, about the time they were having the revival in Wales. So I wrote to Brother Evan, he said, uh, do, do, do you have any advice for us? What can we do? How did you guys, you know, uh, for us to have a move of God? He says, well, encourage the people to pray. He said, sing little, but encourage the people to pray. Have daily meetings and pray. And be yielded to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Other people, well, how, how do you get a revival like that? Well, we don't get it with the drive-through theology. Amen. There will always be a price to that. So praise God. So we're having our 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's coming up. Everything else. The men's conference. Looking forward to that. All kinds of great things happening. So bless you, bless you, bless you. And uh, also, uh, this Saturday, if you're free, our dear friend Daniel Kazum uh, had spent the last three or four months in Israel. He came home. And uh, it's interesting, he purchased a, uh, uh, while he was there, or at, he actually uh, conscribed uh, to have one made, but a handwritten copy of the Torah, and so, and the scrolls, and it's written in the original way with no vowels. So in the Hebrew doesn't have any vowels in it. And so when they originally wrote it, it's written like that in the scrolls, so he's brought back a one of the original copies. So if you would have went in the time of Christ and seen the, that there and the handwritten and on the scrolls and stuff, so he, he got one of those for his uh, temple where he worships it. 
worship's at. And uh, then he has a smaller one. He sent me an email Saturday. It's like, I'll come up Sunday and show you a smaller version of one. And so I missed it doing that. But he did, he's just such a cool guy. So they're, they're like presenting it this Saturday at their house of worship. So he invited our church. He says that, uh, I'll just read what he says to you because he considers us his cousins. And uh, says, I'm writing to say, to say also, uh, bring to, but he says here, I return. So it takes about a year to finish, checking on the precision. And uh, so they're going to be the Mosaic Laws holding a dedication ceremony next Saturday, December 14th. I wanted to invite you and your wonderful community to join us then. So if you'd like to go down, it's Saturday at 9 a.m. And uh, then he wrote me, I, I said, well, what time does it start? So he wrote back, service starts at 9. The first hour is devoted to general prayers. The reading of the weekly portion of the, of the Pentateuch starts at 10. This portion lasts for about an hour. Seven people are called to the Torah. Uh, this time we will read from the Sefer Torah that I brought back from Israel. Prayers are said for the sick and anniversaries and birthdays are occasionally mentioned during this interval. The scrolls are returned to their place. A sermon by the rabbi follows. Sometimes a speaker on a special occasion gives the talk. This time it will probably be me or by, a mis or by a minister from one of the Christian denominations. So I thought this is interesting. From one of the Christian denominations, once every three weeks they have a Christian minister come in to their uh, worship place there and uh, uh, synagogue and, and lead them and teach the, uh, the principles of Christian faith. This is followed by a short prayer and then there's lunch. After lunch we usually have study sessions or a session with guests, uh, with the guest minister to learn more about the practice of our Christian neighbors. I prefer to call them our cousins. Up until the time when I left for Israel, I conducted a group discussion on a topic from the Bible. It was attended by Jews and Christians, open discussion. No question is a bad question. So anyway, that's this Saturday. If you want the information, I'll give that to you. And uh, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 14. And last week we were just talking about the gifts and the ministries of the Holy Spirit and uh, working with the Holy Spirit and thinking about Christmas or thinking about gifts. I love thinking about the gifts of God. Amen? How many ever got a gift that you still have? It's never worn out. It's never depleted. It's as good today as it was the day you got it. Anybody have one? What is it? Your Bible's as good the day you got it, you need to use it more. <laughs> this one's as good as the day I got it. It just isn't, it's just, I've had to glue it a couple times to keep it that good. Praise the Lord. John chapter 14. I was sharing last week how Pastor Sue and I went down on Good Friday and not good, for, not good Friday, Black Friday. There we go. And, uh, went down and uh, pursued the, you know, perused through the lines and that and to try and get some gifts and get some sheets to mail to Austin and, and that stuff and how, uh, you know, going after a gift. It's amazing the effort that people go through to get a gift, to get a deal in that. And so part of that was I'm just thinking that all the things that we pursue and go after and endeavor, if we put just 
a smidgen of that effort towards the things of God. And I challenge ourselves sometimes. Is my effort towards God anything compared to the effort I put towards other things? And, and the only person who can answer that is for us ourselves individually. But uh, I look at a lot of people and the things people uh, went through. And, and uh, I look at people and coming to church and doing different things. And, and uh, people going and standing in lines waiting out. There was a thing this morning about people because jobs are tight and things are tight in the economy and stuff. And, but there were people who were camping out in this weather for some uh, firefighter jobs and stuff. There was an opening of people camping out on the sidewalks and stuff for interviews and to be in line and opportunity to try to secure some of these jobs where there's been layoffs and things in, in those areas. And so people do a lot to pursue things. Amen? And I'm just saying when it comes to God, that same thing, having that same desire, that same passion, and that same pursuit. So talking about working with the Holy Spirit, for over the few weeks we talked to a few things about that with the Lord when we were talking about uh, the hope for America and ministering and believing God to use us and, and not being intimidated by not knowing what to say or how to witness to somebody, but learning how to trust the Holy Spirit to work in each of our lives. And in John chapter 14, Jesus gives us this promise uh, concerning the Holy Spirit. And beginning in verse 16, he says this, And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. So just by that term, he's a comforter, but he's a helper. So he is here. You have somebody here to help. So when the Christian says, man, I feel alone, I don't know how I can make it. Well, you have a helper. Have you asked your helper for help? Learning how to work with the Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you. Only on services when you feel the anointing and the presence and the mood just right, the music just right, everything's right, and you can feel him. No, He abides with you forever. Amen? Now watch this. Even the Spirit of truth through the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him for He dwells with you and will be where? In you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. Go over chapter 16 and beginning at verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. However... When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. So the Holy Spirit, not only is with us, He has a voice. Amen? And He speaks into our life. Verse 14, He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Now, I think about this a lot. If, when, if I'm a Christian and believer, I'm following the Lord, I'm born again, I'm filled with the Spirit. And for me to, to, to learn how to receive that declaration into my life. We're, we're looking, we want somebody else, but wait a minute, I have a helper. He's there for us. Amen? And so he's there to declare things to us. Verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said he will take that he will take of mine and declare it unto you. Father, I thank you in these next few moments you help us. Lord, we're hungry to know. We desire to live with you, to walk with you, to know your plan, your purpose, and to fulfill your will for our lives, glorifying you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. So look at your cover here. We'll just go over this a little bit, and then we're going to get into this. 
Uh, life in Christ is a discovery and an adventure. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, His ministry, His gifts in our life, it's up to us to pursue the adventure. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will never force His will or His way upon anyone. He must be sought after and yielded to. Now let me put you like this. If we read all of that, Jesus said, okay, this is, this is the comfort that's coming, this is the help, and this is what He's coming to do. Now for that to happen, how many know there has to be engagement on our part? You're going to have to engage with Him. You're going to have to learn how to develop relationship with Him. Chris preached uh, last Sunday, and uh, one of the things he brought out about the Holy Spirit is about the Holy Spirit being neglected. He's the neglected person of the Trinity. And uh, so we talk about Him a lot. We just don't uh, learn how to build relationship with Him. He comes to glorify Christ and to empower the believer to live a victorious life. He also works to transform us into the image of Christ and enables us to minister to others the love and the power of Christ so that we should make Him known. Like Christ, we're baptized and empowered with the same Holy Spirit. Jesus wasn't baptized with a different spirit than we are. The same Holy Spirit, there's only one Holy Spirit. We will do all of our work for Christ through our enablement and empowerment by the same Holy Spirit. We are partakers of the fullness of Christ. How many could say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, so it's important for us to always keep that in understanding. So tonight we, we went through this, we kind of got to this, but tonight I want us to understand, we, we broke this down, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but just quickly go over this, and then I want to get into how do we stir up the gifts and maybe understanding them and breaking those down a little bit differently. Understanding the gifts and calling of God, and, and I think about it, a lot of times we go through... Uh, Paul wrote and he says, walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's so natural for us to be natural. It's so easy for us just to do things out of natural strength and not in the Spirit. How many know what I'm saying? Look at, look at, look at the Apostle John. He's on the Isle of Patmos. Look what he says. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. So that gives reference to, a, to a, the, it suggests entering in. That, that, that I entered into the Spirit. But during the rest of the week, how I many know oh, he's there? He's under slave labor. He's breaking rock. He, he, he's in prison there and stuff, and detained there. And so he's working. And so sometimes you have to disengage and then to enter in. We've all been encouraged in worship, enter into the presence of the Lord. We know that. And so it takes that engagement on our part of entering into the Spirit and learning how to work with the Spirit. But it's easy to do Christianity. And today, it's easy just to deal in just what, what holds into our mind. But walking in the Spirit gets out of the realm of just our understanding. It, it's a walk by faith. It's a walk by trust. Paul wrote and he says we walk by faith and not by sight. But it's so easy just to shrink our faith down in our daily Christian life just down to, to sight, to understanding what we can do in our own strength, our own ability. And that's good. We need to be doing it at that level. But there's so much more available. Would you agree? There's just more available. So there's a difference between uh, the gifts of the Spirit, the calling of God, upon, and a calling of God upon a person's life. The gifts are for everyone and can be desired by all. The callings of God are specific to chosen individuals by God. And we went over this, we're going to deal a lot with it, but last week the Apostle 
Paul wrote to the church at Rome and at Corinth, says, I, Paul, called to be an apostle. And I dealt with that because there's a lot going on in our church world today, and we dealt with it a little bit last week. But people with the titles of all kinds of things. One of the things and that's really one of my pet peeves is the title of bishop. I don't know how the title of a bishop got elevated over all the other fivefold gifts. But now if you're a bishop, and there's some people that, that, that exemplify that gift, but a bishop is a superintendent, is an overseer, but it is not one of the fivefold gifts of Christ. It's not one of the ministry gifts. But we're doing all kinds of weird stuff. And so we get this convolutions of Catholicism and an ecumenical government and all this kind of stuff going on. And the next thing you know, we, we kind of have Pentecostal cardinals and stuff. And kind of, it's just a weird convolutions of stuff. So wait a minute, let's just go back to the Bible and be what the Bible says. Because w- when you break this down, there's three areas that deal with gifts and calling. And Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. And each one of those are distinctly different, but they all three work together. And so it's interesting for us to understand. So Paul says, I, Paul, called to be an apostle by the grace of God. So that, that isn't what I was wanting to be. And we shared about it last week. When Paul was on the road to Damascus, how many know he wasn't pursuing the call of God? He never had it in his heart. That isn't what he did. He was persecuting the church, had an encounter with God, and God said, even when he spoke to Ananias, he said, this is my, he is my chosen vessel. Are you with me? And so there's that, that God, ha- ha- God has that right to choose people. If we go all the way back to this, how many believe that we're created by God? So if I'm created by God, how many know that when you make something, how many made dinner tonight? Who'd you make it for? You. I don't know, I just made it. I don't have any reason for having it. I don't know why I made it, but I just made it. No, it was made for you. You and I were made for God. By God, for God. So when you create something, when you make something, it, it, it has you, the Creator assigns its purpose. Oh, we're doing okay. And so with that, to understand that God does that. And so as God, if He creates us, He can also, as the Creator, He can assign purpose. That's why He says to Paul, Paul is my chosen vessel. I choose to use Him and to make Him an apostle and send Him to the Gentiles. That's my chosen will for His life. Amen? How many know God has a right to do that for our lives? Because if He is the owner of all things, I'm just a steward, but He owns my life. That goes with the principle of lordship, praise the Lord. And so with that, so callings are specific. And then there are three basic areas that we see the gifts and callings expounded in Scripture. And what's interesting, if you look at this, and I I have them turned a little bit, but if we went to Romans chapter 12 first, it says that God has given to every man the measure of faith. That God gives to every man the measure of faith. And God gives these gifts in our life. And then you get to 1 Corinthians 12, and these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then you get to Ephesians 4, and these are the gifts of Christ. So what do you have? You have the Trinity right there. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Father imparts something into our life. The Holy Spirit is working in our life. And Christ works in our life. Are we doing all right? So that three distinction is there. Praise the Lord. 
And so then when it comes to being an elder, an overseer, or a superintendent, or a deacon, these positions can be desired and sought after. Let's go back there. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And this is important because I believe every Christian, every Christian should not be content to be a pew warmer. Every Christian should desire to grow in the things of God and actually to become mature in the things of God. And the purpose is that, that we can disciple. The, the commission to you and I, the great commission of our Lord and Savior, is to go and make disciples. Paul said to Timothy, he says, Timothy, hey, find some men that, 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 that are able men that, that, that you can trust to teach other men. That you can set over these things. So able-bodied people that are mature, people that are growing up in the things of God who can train others. But it says, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, it says that this is a faithful saying that if anybody desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. How many know that a position is not a gift? A position is not a call. It's a position. So he's talking about an elder, the, 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 the position of an elder or a bishop here. And when Peter wrote to the church, to, to, the, to, to, to the, the believers there, then, then he says in 1 Peter 5, he says, I, Peter, an apostle, who am also an elder. I'm an apostle, but I'm also an elder or an episcopos or a bishop or a superintendent or an overseer. But he says, I'm first and foremost, I'm called. If you go back and you read the Gospels, you find that Jesus says, and he called to himself the twelve. Every one of them was doing something, and as he walked by, he said, Andrew, follow me. Right? Was Andrew going, pick me, pick me, pick me? No. Was Peter going, pick me, pick me, pick me? Was Matthew at the, at the table going, pick me, pick me, pick me? No. I'm doing all right. So in those areas, Jesus went up and he called. So there, what I'm saying is that we have to make sure there's a distinction between the call and the gifts of God or not. Now, everybody has purpose in God. Everybody has purpose in God. And so when we look at this, we begin to understand. But it's not so, so we can desire that position, we can desire to go there, but that's not so with the call of God. Look in your outline. If you look at the life of Jeremiah, if you look at the life of Samson, the life of Samuel, the life of David, the life of Abraham, the life of Moses, the life of Noah, the life of Paul, the life of the apostles, none of those guys were standing on the side and go, pick me. Moses wasn't going, hey, 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 I want to be the deliverer. Hey, hey, hey. Are we doing all right? Samuel's a young boy. He's there with Eli. And the Lord shows up and says, Samuel! And he runs into Eli. What do you want? Well, you call me. I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Goes back in there, Samuel! Gets up, what? Runs into Eli. I didn't call you. Okay, next time, if, if you hear it again, say, what do you want, Lord? <laughs> Because I'm not calling you, so if you're hearing a voice, it must be God. Doing all right. And so then the Lord spoke to him. So Samuel was called by God, not by Eli. Or not by a man, or not appointed. Are you with me? Samson. How did Samson get to be a deliverer? How did Gideon get to be a judge? Where was Gideon? Bent down threshing wheat. 
What did God show up? The angel of the Lord shows up and goes, Hey, mighty man of valor. What? Me? Yes, you. I'm going to use you to deliver the people. Wait, I'm the least of the least in the tribe that's the least. God says, cool, I'm still going to use you. You are my chosen vessel. Do you understand? So, but, but I'm saying, when you go and you look at the call, that's why. And so callings are one thing, but gifting is, is, is available. And even in the call, the call, every person that's called also has gifts from God. And it's those gifts that, that are distinctive and make our life and our purpose and our function. But every one of us has position and a calling. There's different in classifications how God uses us, but one is not elevated above the other. How many know what I'm saying? There's purpose, there's distinctness. It's just the way the whole machine works, the way everything works. And that's why Paul says when he comes to the body in 1 Corinthians, he says, hey, we don't glory over being the eye or over the ears or over the being the best part of the body. We are a body, and when you start taking parts away and you start making one part more important than another part, every part is needful to the function of the whole. Amen? But we like to, our secular mindset is to glorify different parts. And that's one thing that happened. And it's true that we should honor ministry and gifts and callings and things like that. But not to the point where we celebritize. Thank you for that amen right there. I appreciate that. Amen. Now stay with me. So why? All these men, they had a calling and they weren't really looking for it. They were all called, but none were really looking for it. Now, now let me ask you this. If we go back through and you look at that, there are, there are seven different gifts and different things. In Romans chapter 12, it, there's prophecy. In fact, let me just go there to Romans 12 and let's look at this as we go through these. Because this applies to every person. Let's just deal with, with what applies to every person. Romans chapter 12 Every one of us in this room, this portion of Scripture applies to each and every one of us. And keep your finger there in Romans 12, but I also want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 9 says this. As each one has received a, what, gift, minister it to who? To one another, watch, as good what? Good what? Stewards of the manifold grace of God. So remember what we said with Melchizedek, that God is the possessor of heaven and earth, and He's made us stewards. So if I'm a steward, am I an owner? Is a steward an owner? So the gift that I have, do I own that gift? Is it my gift? No, it's, what, it's, it's, it's what's been entrusted to me as a steward to manage and to care or to distribute. Another word for a steward is this. It is a house distributor. And if you were a steward over someone's house or over their goods, then they would tell you, okay, this is how I want it, and this is how I want it distributed. So I'm setting you over the distribution of my goods. You're to manage the distribution of my supplier, my goods, into these areas. 
That's your stewardship. So you're there, you have a gift. These are the goods, you're going to take them, and then you're going to distribute them out here accordingly as I've desired for them to be distributed. So I own them. These are my goods. I made you the steward, your overseer, you're caring for them, and then you are the one that makes sure they get disseminated out and distributed. And that's what God does. God said, these are the gifts that I have. I'm giving them to you. This is what I want to give out to people. Isn't it amazing that the gift, really, if you look at this exchange, we didn't get anything. This didn't help me. (laughs) I'm doing all right. This didn't help me. Because it's a gift that I've received, but I'm supposed to minister it to one another as good stewards of what? The manifold grace of God. Are you with me here tonight? Praise the Lord. And so, go go back to chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. And Paul says this, Having then gifts differing, verse 6, according to the grace that is given to us. Having gifts differing then, according to the grace that is given to us. So right here in this room, every one of us has different gifts according to the grace of God. Because God has given to every man the measure of faith. Somehow faith has got elusive, and we pursue faith. We have faith. God has given to every one of you faith. How, how many, as you've grown and you've worked, you, you have some abilities, and you have great confidence in, in the abilities that you've developed? I do. There's things that I know I can do. And people say, well, how, how do you? Well, I've done that a lot. You know, I've exercised that a lot. I've, I know I'm competent in that. I don't think about it. But, but that's an ability that I have, or those are abilities that I have, or skills or talents that I have. And, 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 and I, I have all confidence that I, I can perform in that area. But the first time you start operating, you don't have a lot of confidence in that area. But you develop that confidence over time through the exercise and through practice. Same things with the gifts and the callings of God. They, they come, but, but you don't get proficient and you don't get confident in the things of God by never operating in them. But somewhere I have to believe, wait a minute, I got some gifts here from God. I, I, I have, there's something that's been given to me that makes me a functioning member of the body of Christ. And so there, but, but I have to begin to agree. First of all, I got to agree with that. And then I have to begin to walk in that and begin to exercise that. Praise the Lord. So I'm, I'm going to read this to you. I have this little uh, New Testament here that works good on, on these type of lessons because it's from a, a compilation of different translations. One other translation says like this, We have gifts that differ with the favor that God has shown us. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. The gifts we possess differ as they are allotted to us by God's grace and must be exercised accordingly. So right in this room, we we have a multiplicity of gifts, a diversity of gifts. But it's up to us that with that, we also have a grace that's given. How many know grace is power beyond your ability? That's how you're saved. That when we're saved by grace, it's the power of God that moved beyond and, and saved us because we needed to be saved beyond our ability to save ourselves. And so by God's grace, He moved and provided salvation for us that was beyond our ability to provide. So when it comes to gift, there's a grace that's given us. So the confidence comes, wait a minute, this isn't going to come out of my strength. And we talked about it uh, last week when it comes to ministering for God. God never asks you to do anything for Him out of your strength. 
He gives it to you and graces you with the gift. And the gift comes with the strength. We're doing all right. How many many have heard the statement, where God guides, He provides? We have those little cliches. Wherever God guides, He provides. With vision comes provision. How many have heard that? We use that for building fund offerings and things like that. But anyway, but, but when it comes to our life, now wait a minute. With gift comes grace. With gift comes grace. Grace is power to do. Paul said like this in 2 Corinthians 12. He said, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Because that's when the grace of God comes upon me. And empowers me to go beyond my weakness. To perform His will in my life. Amen? And so we have that. The gifts we possess differ as they're allotted by God's grace. So listen to that. Whether prophecy, so there's seven gifts here. The gifts of God in our life are seven, but it doesn't mean that we get all seven. These are differently according to personality and character and makeup and where we fit in the body of Christ. So the first is the gift of prophecy. So we go from prophecy to ministry, uh, to, to teaching, exhorting, to giving, to leading and ruling, to mercy and compassion. But let me read it to you out of here. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or the measure of faith that we have. Or the gift of prophecy, let him exercise it according to his faith. Or another way they call it is this prophecy here is called preaching. Or if our gift is to preach, let our preaching correspond to our faith if a man is a prophet let him prophesy as far as the measure of his faith will let him was Knox's translation if the gift of inspired utterance for example in proportion to a man's faith so there's things that God gives some people and an an utterance ministry there are other people who would never feel comfortable uttering anything in public Amen? But you find there, there's someplace else where they just flourish. How I many know what I'm talking about? So then, it's probably more than likely that if you took a gift test, you wouldn't raid anywhere in prophecy. Is anybody with me? Okay. And so, now watch this. Or our ministry, verse 7, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that has the gift of ministration, or if it's called practical service. If our gift is that of serving others, let them serve well. Many times people say, well, I feel like I'm called to the ministry. Cool, where are you going to serve? How many know many times people's definition of ministry today is not serving? Am I losing everybody here tonight? Okay, ministry, well, I'm called, I I, I really feel called to the ministry. Cool, where are you going to serve? Because ministry, the term ministry, Jesus said, if you're going to be great, then be the servant of what? Of all. So ministry is serving. My gift to you, I labor to try to come in and serve you in word, in ministry. So is to pour out my life in serving to you whatever God's given me on your behalf. But I am here to serve you. That's ministry. It's not to be served. And over the years, a lot of things got, again, convoluted and everything gets elevated. And, and you look at the, you know, we, we look at other religions and stuff and, and ministers, you keep climbing the hierarchical ladder. We get way up here. 
So we get real elevated ministries and, and we do all that. And, and, and we're no longer amongst the people. But if you read it, where was Jesus always? With the people. Where were the disciples always? With the people. We have a whole bunch of stuff going around today where people are trying to protect the anointing. I'm like, from who? I thought the anointing was for the people. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to minister. And isn't it amazing when, when you read Luke 4.18 and the anointing there, that the, the anointing was for problems. And every time it says what the problem was, it said what the answer was. To set captive free, to open blind eyes, to, to bring recovery. I mean, you know what I'm saying? To heal the brokenhearted and, and breaks it all the way down. So ministry is that of serving and practical service. And then he goes on and say, or he that teaches, let the teacher labor in teaching. Let the teacher give himself to teaching. Verse 8, or he that exhorts, or if the gift is, to, or if our gift be the stimulating of the faith of others, exhorting, stimulating others, exhorting, have faith in God. Stimulate them. Cole's an exhorter. Pastor Cole preaches. Ah, you go out. Okay, hey. <laughs> okay. Now here's what we do. Oh, I just like it when they exhort, 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 exhort. Okay, cool. Exhort. Sometimes you need to be taught, though. So you need to. So it, it it isn't all just one. And many times we pigeonhole our thing. I like this. Well, that's good, but that's not what you like. Your kids just want to eat apple jacks. But how many know they need a more balanced diet than that? And so when it comes to us spiritually, sometimes we want spiritual junk food all the time. But that doesn't give us, a, we're not going to get strong. We're not going to be developed on that. So we need a balanced diet. So we need teaching and we need exhorting. Amen? And one who has the gift of stirring speech should use it to stir his hearers. If you can encourage, encourage. The preacher should see to it that his sermons are strong and helpful. And then a giving. He that gives, let him do it with simplicity. Let the man who gives, give in charity. And do so with a generate heart. Let, let him he who gives, let him do it with singleness of mind. If God has given you money, be generous in helping others. And then when it comes to ruling or to leading. He that rules, do it with diligence. He who is in authority to exercise due diligence. He who presides should be zealous. If you're a leader, exert yourself to lead. I like that. And then it says, He that shows mercy, lastly, with cheerfulness. He who does acts of mercy. And, and how many know that as a body to be whole, we need all of these functioning completely? Every church, every. We need all this functioning. And it's amazing. That's what God does. He says, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to create a body. And then I'm going to put all this diversity in there. And I'm going to put it in different people. And then I'm going to give them grace to operate in that. And so we need to learn how to do that. And so ministry now goes more from just being, where do I fit? And it goes more from just doing a function in the church. And those are necessary, whether it's working with children, working with this people, working with that, or doing that. Those are all part of it, but it should flow out of predominantly, there's going to be something in you, even if you're, you're in one of those areas, you're going to flow out of one of these attributes. How you serve there, it's going to come out of that. You can be very merciful, you're going to be the exhorter, you're going to be, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. That's how you're going to minister in that area. Are we doing okay? 
Praise the Lord. And so, with that mercy, showing mercy. If yours is a gift of kindness to others, do it cheerfully. It's like Paula over the homeless. And the, she had just a great heart. And the people working with that. Why do they get involved? Why do they do that? And we should all be involved in that. Sometimes you have to move out of your comfort zone just a little bit. We can't always just be niche believers. I'm not getting many amens tonight. But in that, it's easy for us to get in a niche to settle. This is my groove, and I like to just stay in my groove. But sometimes we need to get you out of your groove. Amen. And help out in some other areas and stretch yourself and grow. and help. But, but you find that people, when you start looking at where they are and what they're doing, the interests that they have, it'll always come back to these defining areas of what many of us time they tell are our motivational gifts, the things that motivate us in serving. Something is motivating you. Look at the next point. So gifts in ministry and calling of God are all different. They cannot be lumped together as one and the same. And a lot of that happens, that we just put it all together, it's all kind of the same. It is not. There must be revelation, which brings illumination, and then a separation that brings clarification so that there can be a unification for cooperation. So re- revelation means that it brings some understanding. And then when I separate them, I get this great clarification. And then we unify and bring them back together. And they all work together in harmony or in symphony and they cooperate one with another how many would agree and that's where we get to Ephesians 4 16 isn't it amazing what a great verse turn there Ephesians 4 and I think sometimes we, we read these and we pass over well how would that work I, I read a lot of scripture and I a lot of times I'm reading and I ask questions how does that work that's cool But what does that mean and how does that work? And where's the application, the practical aspect of that? So it says, uh, actually go back to verse 15. It says, speaking the truth in love, talking about growing up into maturity. Actually, if if, if we went all the way back up, when God gave the purpose of the fivefold ministry gifts, let's go back and look at what it is. Go back to verse 12. We know he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Then verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for what? The work of the ministry, which is what? The edifying of the body of Christ. Okay, So, so the saints get equipped to edify the body. And so we, we, we build each other up. We strengthen. We encourage one another. Amen? How, now, how many know today that takes engagement? How we have to engage? It, 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 it takes, if I can say it like, it takes more than attendance. It takes engagement. Attendance is not engagement. Amen? I know I should be preaching this on Sunday morning, but I'm preaching it tonight. But attendance is not engagement. So what? Till we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a what? Perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How many know that's singular, not multiple? Unto a perfect man, so we're all, it, it's, it's that unity that we have, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and the cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together, and we, we read that just to get this by, by what every joint supplies. So you're a joint. I'm a joint. And so the body is edified and built by what every joint supplies. 
So how many know that that means there has to be something, is, a supply is that we bring something to the table, so to speak. We, we, we bring something to the mix and we add something to it. And, and that's the great gifts and the calling of God that God has graced us with. We've been given that great grace. And so it's up to us to pursue that. It doesn't just happen. We don't just go, okay, I just function automatically. This is stuff we have to pursue and to go after. Are you with me? Okay, so watch this. We all have a place, purpose, and function in the body of Christ, yet when it comes to the call, man can confirm, but it is God who calls. A man can confirm and acknowledge, but he cannot impart. There's no way. I, I, I could look at our young men and young women growing up, and you can see somebody, and over there say, that, I believe that person has a call of God upon their life. I watch a lot of young men come in here and get distracted by everything, and you know they have a call on their life. You know, they have those great gifts, and God, you could see just that potential there, and you could acknowledge, but you can't impart. You can confirm. And when somebody does have ministry, and when organizations think, we, we, uh, years ago, we were Pentecostal Church of God, they, they had churches, and they'd get empty, and they kept trying to put guys in there, and they'd get guys who would volunteer to go and try. I said, if this guy thinks he's going to go try, I can tell you right now, he's not called. Because people who are called don't go and try, they go and do. Well, I, I, I'll try it. I'll take it for a while and try it, see what happens. I just mark it down, dude. You might as well keep your bags packed. Because God doesn't call us to try, He calls us to do. He doesn't equip us to try, He equips us to do. You're, you're, there's grace, the manifold grace of God to do, to minister, to succeed. How many agree? Okay, so watch this. So we have this great play. So how do the gifts I believe come into personal our pursuit? You and I, each of us, every one of you in here has been given a gift. We read it, Peter. According to the measure of the grace and the gift of God, you're a steward of this manifold grace. Paul said in Ephesians 4, he begins out with this. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling wherewith you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. But verse 7, he goes, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we have this great grace. So here it is. Hey, there, there's a calling. There's a vocation. But to go after that means that we have to pursue it. You will only receive what you go after. Jesus said in Matthew 7, he said, ask, seek, and knock. You have to ask, you have to seek, and you have to knock. We must have the desire to receive, and then to stir it up. What did Paul say to Timothy? He said, Timothy, there's a gift inside of you by the laying on of my hand. And if you go back, and, and, and we illustrated that with Ananias and Paul, because Paul is there, he's stricken by the Lord, he's blind, he's praying, he's waiting, and then God speaks to Ananias. He says, hey, Ananias, I want you to go down and ask at Simon the Tanner's house. Paul the, is praying there, the man named Paul, he's praying there, or Saul of Tarsus is praying there, and he's seen, he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming to lay hands on him. And so I'm sending you to go pray for him. And so Paul and 
to pray hands and, and to receive his sight and to be filled with the Spirit. So Paul goes down, I mean Ananias goes down there and he's ministering, but how many know it's God that's giving the gift? Ananias isn't doing that, and I said it earlier, I didn't quite finish it. All God asks us to do is to agree with what He wants to do through it. To agree with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, these signs follow them that believe, they lay their hands on the sick. And we go, oh, I, I, I don't know if I could do that. How would I? Wait a minute. He didn't ask you to do it. He only asked you to agree. Just agree. He provides the power, the anointing. It, come on, look what Jesus The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'll just start agreeing right there. The Spirit of the Lord. I agree. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. I believe, Acts 1, after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power. So what do I have to do? Okay, I agree. I agree. I believe. I receive. Amen? Isn't it amazing that when people came to Jesus and they touched Jesus and they received something, isn't it amazing what he said? Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has received this. So what if I began to release my faith, not just for healing, not just for provision, but to believe God for Him to work in my life? Because it's amazing that Romans 12 starts out and it says that God has given to every man the measure of faith. So he gave me faith and then he told me for the exercise of the gifts that are in my life. We're doing all right? Praise the Lord. So now what? So we have to have the desire to receive it and then to stir it up. So Paul says, hey, there's a gift in there. Stir it up. Fan it to a flame. I believe even the call. Is revealed by pursuit. People who, who are answering the call in their life say, Well, how'd you get there? How, how do you go? How do you do that? Pursue it. Don't kick down the door, but just keep pursuing. I just believe I'm called. I'm just going to keep heading in that direction. I'm just going to believe God's opening door. And if He opens, I'll walk through it and see if it's God. And then I'll walk through it and I'll see if it's God. But you have to be willing to pursue. And the only way you can do that, let me just say that, that if you're pursuing one thing, you can't pursue six things at one time. You can't pursue the call and pursue careers, pursue interest. So everything has to begin taking, some things have to be cut off in the pursuit. Something has to be first. It's like the guy who says, I have six girls I'm dating, I'm just not sure which one I want to marry. Well, if they all find out at once, you're dead, dude. You know, you, you, can't, you can't pursue six relationships at one time. You, you can't pursue, you, can't, you just can't go in multiple directions. When it comes to the call, if, if a young person or somebody feels a call of God upon them, you have to pursue that. You have to give your attention to that. That, that has to be your focus. That, that has to be your, you have to have singleness of sight. Are you with me? That's so important. So, but it, it's a pursuit. And there's a price to be paid for true spiritual power. The gifts of God are free, but the price to pray and to crucify our own desires and flesh can be high. I've watched. How many have ever been in a service where people answer an altar call for a double portion anointing? I want a double portion. Okay, I want the anointing. Okay, 
what are you going to do with it? I want, okay, well, the double portion anointing, what was, when, when, when Elisha said to Elijah, I want a double portion of the Spirit that's upon you. But he is already 20 years into commitment. Because when Elijah walked by and threw the mantle on he's already sacrificed the bulls. He's already forsaken to follow. He's already been with the guy, and he's already refused to be separated from him. He's pursuing. And the pursuit is coming at a price. Now, how many know the anointing is free? He's not buying the anointing. You're not buying the gift. But the price to engage is what has to be paid. And I shared it Sunday morning, the illustration, if it comes with the gift. If, 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 you, if I came and gave you a new car, whatever it might be, if you didn't have a car, if you find somebody, I don't have any transportation. Okay, so you come up and you give them a car. Okay, they don't buy the car, but you give them a car. But how many know that's the gift, but the gift comes with a price. So now they have, well, they, they got to buy gas. They got to maintain it. They got to do the upkeep. They got to pay the insurance. They got to register it. They got to they, they got to handle it responsibly. So the gift, though the gift was free, it didn't come without a price. Are we doing all right? And in your life and mine, God gives us free gifts, but the gift doesn't come without a price. I'm not working to get it. I, I'm, I'm not deserving it. I'm not qualifying. He has qualified us by His grace. But now that I have the gift, if I want to function the gift, i got to put some gas in the thing. i got to put some time. i I, I got I to protect it. i, I got to value it. If you don't value it, people, if you gave them a new car and, and, and they just drove around and just trashed it, They'd need another car shortly because they didn't value it. Mike Murdoch has a great statement. He says, whatever you don't value moves away from you. If you don't value it, it'll move away from you. And he he was using a reference to people with resources and finance. You get people who who don't value resources, if you don't protect your resources, then it's hard to hold on to money if you don't value money. If you don't understand it or possessions or anything else. Are we doing all right? So with that, there's that pursuit that comes with, and so it doesn't come without a price. Uh, years ago, uh, I don't know, I, I let somebody borrow it. I don't know who it was, but I had uh, uh, from early in the 80s, I had a book by Robert Laird that he wrote on the price of spiritual power. And when he started ministering as a young man, he talked about where he would come home and he lived with his grandmother's parents and broke up and stuff, so he lived with the grandma. But he'd come home from school and he would spend like eight hours a day in his room praying in the Holy Ghost. And then God started opening doors and doing stuff. So. He said, well, there's a price for power. He did a, uh, he, 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 he did a, a series, Wayne's watching, now I have the old video cassette series that he did on God's generals. And one of the interviews in there is Catherine Kuhlman. And, and it's an old video footage of her preaching. And she's preaching. She says, anybody can do what I'm doing if they'll pay the price. She says, I can take you to the motel. I can take you to the room. And I can take you and show you the chair Catherine in the corner Kuhlman of the room. kneeled down and died. 
Amen? And so she just said, anybody can do this if they'll pay the price. Put it on another level. Years ago, I saw an interview a long time ago when Lee Trevino was playing golf. How many remember who Lee Trevino is? Probably don't even care. It doesn't matter. Professional golfer. But he's playing golf, and he goes, hey, anybody can do this. Just do what I do. Anybody can hit a golf ball. Just get up every day and go to the driving range and hit a thousand of them. Just go hit a thousand of them every day for years. How many watch people you do? How many like the gymnast people that balance and hang on each other and do all that crazy stuff? How do they do that? Yes, they, they, they have a gift called balance. Flexibility, athleticism. But how many know there's lots of people with natural balance, flexibility, and athleticism that can't stand on because their own two feet? They've never paid a price curb. to develop or to pursue that or take that to its full potential. Amen? And all I'm saying to us is that it's amazing. Right here, do you know how much power is right here in this room? Look at you. It, it, doesn't take, it doesn't take masses, guys. We think, boy, if we had 5,000 people, we'd really do something for God. Jonathan said, hey, my favorite scripture, my, probably one of my best life verses is that one scripture. God's not restrained to save by many or by few. Jonathan and his armor bearer. Jonathan just going, hey, let's go out and look at the Philistine camp. And look at that. There they are. God might let us Whoop them. And the arm bearer just goes, hey, do everything that's in your heart. And Johnson's going, hey, God's not restrained to save by many or by few. Let's see. Let's go find out what God would want to do through our life. And if you and I ever get that kind of dangerous. Christianity changed. If you start going, God, I want to find out what you're going to do. What, what it is. Listen, Paul said it like that. The apostle Paul, God appears to him, shows up to him, reveals himself to him. But Paul, living his whole life, the, 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 the Philippian letters toward the end of his ministry, but he's saying, hey, I'm pressing towards the mark, and I'm still looking to figure out and to find out everything that Christ laid hold of my life for. I want to understand why he apprehended me. Amen? So I want to find out why. When we get like that, to pursue God like that, it gets me. Go with me to Mark chapter 9. Are you doing all right tonight? I'm just telling you that you're sitting on a powder keg. You are. You're a powder keg. You're sitting on amazing potential. God said he's given us gifts. And we didn't read, but 1 Corinthians, look, if we just go back, look, God's given to every man the measure of faith. And then he goes on and says the gifts. You get to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given to every man. How many know that applies to every person? The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every person. Every member of the body gets gifts of the Holy Spirit. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you get His gifts. The fruit of the Spirit abides in you, and the gifts of the Spirit are upon you. It's your anointing to do, to minister, that He might profit with all. 
So it moves me out of spectator into a joint that's able to supply. Are you with me? Amen. And so, Matthew chapter 9, now watch it. But, okay, that's cool, Pastor, that's awesome. How do I get it? Okay, Matthew 9. Excuse me, Mark 9, my bad. Mark chapter 9. Read my own notes. Jesus takes what? Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Whoa. Jesus is changed. Moses and Elijah show up. They go, whoa. And then they come down and can't cast the devil out of somebody. And so they come aside with Jesus, and Jesus has to do it. Verse 27, then Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. In verse 28, and when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast him out? Why were we not able to do this? And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot come out by nothing, can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. My words are, these kind come out at a price. The power comes at a price. The power is available, but you have to pay the price to exercise it. You have to, it comes, the gift is free, but you have to buy the gas. You have to pay the insurance. You have to pay the registration. And when you go down to register it, you have to pay the tax. You go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought this was a free gift. Years ago, years ago, 1996, 1996, Keith and Janelle came to church, and they, we, we had a church barbecue one year. And so they, 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 they had their motorcycles and stuff. And so they had, he showed me this picture of this little, we were talking and stuff. And, da, 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 and I said, I, said I, I just like sports. I said, I always like sports. I like the tank, little peanut tank, all those. They just look cool. And so anyway, this thing came up and they got this great deal on this 95 Sportster. And, you know, and the Spirit of God spoke to him and, and they told him to give it to me. God told me to give me, they, they bought. so they gave me my first motorcycle. And they come in and say, we're supposed to do this. And it's one of those things where people say, I feel like God told us to do this. And that's where the great response is to obey God. Amen. Hey, obey God. And so they did that. And I said, wait a minute. Hey, a few months later, because the thing about motorcycles or Harley, especially Harley stuff like that, is that it's against the law to leave them as they came. Meaning you have to make it your own. So you have to start personalizing. So the next thing you know, you had to paint it. You had to put pipes on it. You had to do this. You had to, I said, hey, your gift is costing me a lot of money. Thank you for the gift. But this gift is in order to make this mine. I'm having to invest. Thank you for the gift. But in order to make the gift mine, I have to invest. 
God gives you a gift. It is free. It's wonderful. It's joyful. It brings you. But in order for you to make the gift your gift, you're going to have to invest. Are we doing all right tonight? That's what it tells. And people say, well, I just, one of these days the Holy Ghost will come on and just make me do something. Never. 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 It will be. Years ago, when we talk about operating in the gifts of the Spirit, and I, te- when I teach in Bible school and stuff, and I've taught it here, but I- I- I've just always been a presser. I'm, I'm, I'm an indulger. So when it comes to God, I want to indulge in everything. I go overseas, people are eating everything. I'm going to taste everything. I don't care. Don't tell me what it is, just let me eat it first. The, the, only, thing, the only thing overseas that I've never eaten was durian. It's a fruit in Indonesia. It looks like a prickly pineapple thing. It, it has the grossest odor. It just, it, you, you look up durian fruit, I think D-U-R-A-N, it's just a weird, but you, if you Google it, it'll tell you on there. It has a pungent, repugnant odor. And you drive by these fruit stands and the windows are down, and you're like, dude! And, and you're blaming people for ripping and stuff, you know, and you're going, what is that? And the, oh no, that's a fruit stand. And they go, oh, it is so sweet. I said, it could taste like the best thing in the world. I can't get that past my nose to my mouth. There is no way. Amen? So that's the only, so adult, that's the only thing I didn't indulge in when I've been overseas. Everything I'll try that. At least I'll taste it. I may not like it. I may spit it out. But I'm gonna, I'm, I'll, I'll indulge. I want to try. So when it comes to God, I want to do the same thing. I want to try the things of God. I want to experience the things of God. And so for me, that's what I did. And so as a young man growing up, being in church, I, I just w- want to be in. I just want to go. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I want that. So the altar call to be baptized, I want that. They didn't have to convince me. I want it. You have to preach in front of me. Just offer. Make an offer. You want to try that? Yeah, I'm in. And so I find out when you live for God, I just go, yes, I'll try it. I don't even care if you figure it out. I don't even want to know what it does. I don't care about the side effects. I really don't care. Because if you care, you'll talk yourself out of it. And so the same thing, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so for me... I, I'm sitting, I just want to be used by God. And, and then I'm up there. I, I remember being in service. Like, God, I want to be used. I want to be used. And all of a sudden, you feel the Spirit of God come on you. And then, and then you have the whole conversation. Is this me? Is this you? Is this me? Is this you? Is this me? Is it you? And while you're asking God, is it me? Is it you? Is it me? Is it you? Somebody else moved. And then you go, that was you. He goes, I tried to tell you. You go, okay. And so you learn the voice of God. God starts moving with him. Pray. He starts moving upon your life. If you will pursue, God will meet you. And so I find God starts trying. And, and so once you, once you start asking, is this me, is this you, is this me, is this you? A lot of times it is him. Because you know when it's you. The problem is you're afraid that it is God. Let me know what I'm saying. And so I do that. And so I start out. And then the next thing you know, bah, I give a message in tongue. And then I'm going, God, I hope somebody has interpreted. I hope somebody has interpreted. And you give a message in tongue. And the, the interpretation comes. And then you feel like God wants you to prophesy. And you're going, God, 
Somebody's got to give a tongue. Somebody, I got it. I got it. I got it. Somebody got to give it. Somebody get it. And then somebody gives a tongue. And then you get, and then you're going. Is this it? Is this it? Is this it? Is this it? And then while you're waiting, somebody gives you interpretation. I go. I had that. I had that. Do I have any friends in the house? I, I had it. I got it. I got it. I remember when Brother Hood made us elders and we had to be ministering elders and that was the old, they had the old choir loft. We didn't have the choir, but he'd make us sit up there. And so Brother Hood sat, and I sat right behind him. And three Sundays in a row, we're in worship, the Spirit of God's moving, and, and I'm sensing, and there's no tongues out. I'm just sensing this message, this, pro, this prophetic word coming up beside me to prophesy. And I'm wrestling with myself. I'm kneeling down. I turn around, I kneel down. I get real spiritual when you kneel down. That makes it more spiritual. So I kneel down, I'm behind brother, and brotherhood's right in front of me, and I'm praying. And then, boom, message comes, exactly what I had. And I'm telling myself, I had that. And then finally, after the third week, I go, okay, God, I know your voice. I'll never doubt you. I'll just, and, so you, and then you have to pursue by engaging and trusting God and doing. Are you listening to me? So it's so important. But that's what's about. Think about this. Working with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm sending you a helper. I'm sending you a comforter. I'll never forget. I, I told a guy this last week. I had lunch with some people. And I tell them when we were passing in Beburn, when we went there, there was a little couple. And with them not being a, a spirit-filled church from coming from a fundamentalist Baptist background, but as people started getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, a young couple that was there... Um, and uh, well, they weren't a young couple then. They're, they were because they were my age then. And, <laughs> and uh, Bill and Helen Graham, well, he came from a missionary Baptist background. That's very fundamental, very rigid. And she came from a Christian scientist background. She was raised kind of Christian scientist. And so when we got there, she was, she was the secretary of the church. She didn't belong to the church or something, but she was a bookkeeper for the, the school district and stuff. So they had her doing the books, but she wasn't even a member of the church or anything and stuff. And so it was funny because we were in a board meeting, and uh, we'd just been there about three months, and they didn't have really any sound system. So I wanted to buy a little sound system and a cassette recorder and a microphone to make tapes of our services and stuff and one of the guys you know in the little farming community well can't you just get one of them things you can push the button up there on the thing and turn it over and do that stuff a little thing set up there you know and do that I said, come on we we could do that and so she goes hey tell you what she comes to me after the meeting she goes hey you go buy whatever you want and i'll pay for it And she goes, Ann, I'd like to become a member of the church. I said, you're not a member of the church. You're on the board doing our books. What's up with this? It was, it was a crazy time. We had a blast. But anyway, so we do that. But then the next thing you know, her and her husband get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Really get saved. And, they get, and, and now Bill's prophesying in church. Giving out utterances of prophecy and edification in church. It is awesome. It is. But I'm just saying, it's available. So if a guy at that time who was in his late 50s, almost early 60s, can get baptized in the Holy Ghost after being raised something totally different, and, and she and with the comes Holy from Ghost. Christian science, then God can do anything. Amen? Yes. And, for, and use them. If they, and then they can believe that God would use them. All we need to do is pursue God. God, you could do that. But learning this great comforter and helper 
is with them. But it means us pursuing. And it takes some investment. The gift is free. God gave you the car. He gave you the gift. But it's up to us to put the gas in it, pay the registration. There's a price involved. Amen? And Jesus said that. says, hey, if you're going to do that, and, and in Ma- Matthew 8, he goes, hey, if you can come after me, this is the cost of discipleship. There's a price to following and to serving. Father, we thank you tonight for your love and for your grace. Lord, I thank you for the precious gift of your spirit in our lives. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that you are here, that you abide with us, and that you are in us. And that your anointing is upon us. And we thank you that you are working in us to reveal the things of Christ. We thank you for the gift that you placed inside us. We thank you that your fruit is working in us for regeneration and sanctification. For the renewal and and, and the conforming of our lives to the image of Christ. But we thank you for this divine enablement that's upon our life to minister. Father, we thank you for the gifts. We thank you for the measure of faith that you've given to each one of us. We have faith. We thank you for that. And you've given us gifts. You've made us this contributor to the body where, where, where we have a specific function. We bring increase to your house and to your body. We thank you. You've made us valuable in your sight. Father, we thank you for that. And we bless you tonight. Holy Spirit, we're going to pursue you. We're going to go after you. We're going to hunger and desire spiritual gifts. We're going to pursue the best gifts because you exhort us and encourage us to do that. So we bless you tonight in Jesus' name. Everybody said?